Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The In This League Podcast Network. The In This League College Fantasy Football Podcast. Burrow's got time. Launching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown. Terrence Marshall. The longest running CFF podcast in the industry. With hosts Scott Bogman and Nick Allen. Your title starts here. Hello and welcome back to the In This League College Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Scott Bogman. You can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, and I'm joined as always by Nicholas E. Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge. We took a week off, and really it was necessary to just kind of figure out what the hell is going on <laughs> in college football, Nick, because, um, you know, last week we could have recorded the show at the normal time, but it was in the middle of all of these schools kind of, you know, figuring out, figuring out if they're going to play or not. And we did get four conferences postpone their season until spring. So um, it's going to make for a weird CFF season. That's for sure. Uh, And everything is getting adjusted on the fly. So we're going to have a couple more preseason episodes for you because uh, the season looks like it's not going to start really until uh, the end of September for most of us. If you still want to play, a regular season now um it's going to be short it's going to be strange maybe you want to even move your league to roto this year maybe uh you want to do a guillotine league those are always fun uh but it's definitely going to be a uh very strange college football season to say the least but it looks like we're getting college football so that is the important thing here right nick yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's it's strange because, like you mentioned last week, everything was kind of changing as we were discussing uh, getting a show together and, and everything felt uh, like it was just moving so fast. And, and it seems that now, you know, a week later, things are are starting to settle down a little bit. We've gotten, you know, officially official uh, schedules from the Big 12, from the SEC. We're getting uh, G5 teams and independent teams that are uh, adding uh, new games to the schedule. Uh, there have been at least half a dozen today, Tuesday, as, as we record, and, and I'm sure more are coming. So it, it is starting to feel more like you know college football season. It is starting to feel like things are happening, especially, you know, we're, we're getting notes from camps, injuries and position battles and, and things like that. So uh, I, I, it feels a lot better this time this week than it did this time last week when we decided, you know what, let's kind of let the dust settle a little, little bit before we uh, try to try to diagnose exactly what all is going on. So, and, and the calmness, it's funny that you mentioned uh, it's way more calm today than it was this time last week. And you're a hundred percent right. But army, you said you were talking off off air before army today added three games. 
So that's <laughs> the type of news. Calm, I guess. <laughs> right, right. That's the type of news that we're dealing with today. If that was something that had happened, you know, in a normal season, we'd be losing our damn minds right now. <laughs> but that is status quo in, uh, you know, quarantine COVID-19 times here in 2020. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to keep that together. And I will have a uh, brand new rankings update over on uh, Patreon. That's patreon.com slash ITL Army with all of those um, conferences that are out. And the conferences that are out right now are the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten, the MAC, and the Mountain West, and several other independents, Liberty, uh, UConn, UMass, New Mexico State. Um, who am I missing here, uh, Nick? I know I'm missing someone else is out. Uh, Old Dominion decided mm-hmm. that they're out. Yeah. Uh, Rice apparently is on the fence. Not, I mean, we weren't sure if they're in or out anyway. So, we got a couple but, of wideouts that are pretty decent. I have Rosner but. on my list. I, I do. Uh, I'll probably have to ditch him. Uh, so Rice is, is probably on the fence too. So uh, there's opt-out players that have happened as well. Luckily, most of them were in the conferences that um, have left outside of one big one. Uh, you know, Kennedy Brooks opted out. So we'll talk about uh, that in a little bit here. But we just kind of want to give you um, the breakdown and we'll break down how this changes. We'll, we'll fully dissect the schedule next week. And we'll probably talk a, a little bit about how all of these schools canceling changes the tiers because I went through. And I took out all of the Big Twelve play, our Big Ten and Pac twelve players, and uh, you know I did that. I got all the guys that opted out and all that stuff, but I didn't really sit and go through my entire list because it's going to make some positions a little more scarce. And we're going to go over that next week too. But right now we're just focusing on what we can do to possibly get a college fantasy football season in for those of you that want to draft. I mean, you can always do. You know, when with all the suggestions that we laid out um, a couple weeks ago, you can still do a, you know, salary cap type of season where everyone can pick anyone. You can do the, um, hey, you know, just expand your rosters and say, hey, you guys can have anyone you want. But instead of, uh, you know, instead of just your standard lineup, in that case, you do four quarterbacks, six running backs eight receivers, four tight ends, stuff like that. So no one is going to match players. You know, there's not going to be a chalk lineup across the board. That's something you guys can still do. So there, there are many different options, but for those of you that are traditionalists and would like to do a draft with your buddies, do an auction with your buddies, however you want to do that and make the season work. That's what we're going to try to focus on here. So, um, you know, the, the basics of this is that, uh, yes, there are um, some games being played earlier in the year, but if you want to do a full season with a draft, you really need to start your season. What is now week four would be your week one, which is game starting uh, September 23rd or 24th, excuse me, on that Thursday. And then the most other games, and that game is between um, uh, UCF and ECU. On that Thursday night, the rest of the games start uh, September 26th. So uh, all the conferences that I think that's the first week where all conferences that have games are playing games together. Is that correct, Nick? Yeah. So when the the SEC announced its schedule, uh, or it, I, you know, when it voted in 
late July that they would go conference only. They said that they would begin September, uh, September 26th, and that seems to be the uh, the latest of any any conference. But they released the official one uh, last night, and that that is the case. Everybody in the SEC is playing that weekend as their opening weekend. Right. So that is when we begin, and it looks like we end really uh, week 13 should be the end of the season. That's the last week that we for sure right now know every team is still playing in week 13, which is, um, let me just get the dates on week 13. I believe that's the end of November. Yeah, November correct. 28th. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a couple games on the 27th um, yeah. on that Friday. UCF at USF, Louisville, Boston College, Notre Dame at North Carolina. And then there's, you know, the big slate of games on uh, Saturday as well. And, you know, we, we barely have any times uh, for any games yet. So they're all TBA, but it's better than seeing PPD next to their name. I'll say that. And, uh, and really with the schedules, it's, um, you know, we're, we're going to go over bye weeks next week as well, but the, the main gist of it, uh, Nick, if, if I'm, if I did all of this correctly, um, the SEC is going to have one bye week. The big 12 is going to have two. The ACC is going to have two, uh, and then the Sun Belt, the AAC, and Conference USA—they are keeping the schedule that they had from before, but they're just trying to fill in the spots with, you know, a non-conference games, FCS opponents, maybe some independents. They're just trying to fill up that schedule to get to—I mean, they want to do—they're uh, still doing trying to do a 12-game season, correct? I think they're trying to get as much as they can, <laughs> and yeah. uh, if it's—you know—if they're able to. to uh, schedule games and, and play games without too many issues. There's an opportunity for some, you know, G5 uh, programs to get some pretty uh, high-profile television spots. I mean, I'm, I'm once I'm finishing up the, the big project I'm on uh, right now, my attention will be turning to scouting Southern Miss and South Alabama. That's you know September 3rd game. That's going to be. It's going to feel like the Super Bowl for, for a lot of folks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, I think, a, a real sense of urgency for teams in the Sun Belt and AAC and uh, Conference USA to get as many games on the schedule as they can and, and play them uh, maybe even as early as they can so that they can get on television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and man, in a big uh, spot. I mean, we're going to see. Uh, a lot of teams that you normally wouldn't see on TV on TV. Uh, uh, what are we going to do with Pac-12 after dark, Nick? Uh, the, and the Mountain West I, is done. Is, is gonna, the whole- uh, yeah, no, that's so the far the only team in the West, like what we would normally, I guess, consider the West that's still playing is BYU. Uh, yeah. So I don't think there's any any Pacific time zone uh, programs. They're they're the only Mountain time zone, and and so. Yeah, I mean BYU and I guess UTEP would be the the two farthest west uh, teams. So I'm I'm going to get to bed, you know, at a decent <laughs> time this year. No, no, I don't think that. I'm going to be spoiled. Half the teams are playing. They're to still going to schedule those games late <laughs> for for TV. There'll be some East Coast teams playing pretty late on the East so Coast. So it'll be big Big Twelve after dusk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Leonard with the big 12 there. So um, uh, I, I, I assume they'll just have a couple of late games and teams will take it, you know, uh, anything to get exposure on national uh, on the national spotlight. You know, that's always good for recruits and everything else. So, you know, I'm 
Uh, I, I like that at least, you know, but uh, it's going to be a strange season. So let's dive into uh, some of the weirdness that's happening here. Uh, like we said, uh, hopefully the schedule will be, I would, I would hope done by next Tuesday, but just how about 90% settled? How about we get there? Uh, and, we figure out what the hell rice is doing. If they want to opt out of the season or what, you know, things will be a little more organized next week, but we felt we, yeah, I already feel anytime we skip, I feel like I'm leaving you guys hanging. So, uh, I never like to do that. It's just, I felt it was necessary last week to let the dust settle, uh, because it would have been even more discombobulated show than this one is today. Uh, last week. Now, uh, Ohio state junior quarterback, Justin Fields, has started a petition asking the Big Ten to reverse course on postponing the season, but this is just not going to happen, right? He's already got a ton of signatures, and the hashtag we want to play has been going around between the conferences that have canceled games, uh, and it's it's very interesting. Uh, but you mentioned on CFP Winning Edge that you know I, I brought up the possibility of maybe some of these guys transferring, but. It's super late in the process, and half of them won't have to get waivers that they probably wouldn't get. So uh, it looks like these guys are just kind of out of luck, right? Well, so there, it, it's interesting to see the contrast between how Big Ten schools are approaching this and how Pac-12 schools are approaching it. I mean, there's there's a bit of an uprising in the Big Ten. You mentioned the, the Justin Fields uh, petition, but also there are parent groups connected to Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio State that are uh, getting together, writing letters, getting you know petition type things, and, and trying to uh, help convince the the decision makers in the Big Ten that they uh, should you know basically uh, bring back the option of, of playing this fall. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of interest on the Big Ten's side in doing that. They've been very quiet. We haven't heard from uh, the, you know, the, the president of the Big Ten since uh, really the, the official announcement came last week. And it, it doesn't necessarily look good. There seems to be a lot of energy behind it, but, but it, it seems that now you know, the decision has been made, although there's a ton of you know, chatter as to was there an official vote? Who was in charge? I don't know. I don't know if you saw comments from uh, Penn State's athletic director a, a couple of days ago, but seemed to throw into question whether or not there was even an official vote. So the Big Ten is a, a bit of a mess. The Pac-12, you know, same situation, of course. Their players are, are in a bad spot, not uh, having the opportunity to, to play this fall, but at least it seemed that all the schools were on the same page. There seems to be a, a uniform uh, sort of at least approach, if not opinion, as to how to to handle things. So the Pac-12, at least, you know, there doesn't seem to be this major uh, movement behind, you know, hey, you canceled too soon. We need to figure this out and, and how to how to get the season going again. But uh, I, I think you're right, and, and like we mentioned before, that at this point, it's it's a bit late in the process, and and I think there is some uh, some issue with the wording because the Big Ten didn't cancel its season it postponed its season right so that would throw it you know if it had canceled then i think it you know how we've seen some programs get canceled or you know their their uh programs have, have been shuttered and those guys are, are able to transfer freely wherever they want i right. would assume if the season had been quote unquote canceled 
that we'd be at a, a similar situation, but because they postponed instead and, and said that they are intending to play into the spring, that throws up a, a bit of a, a you know hurdle to that. But I do think that it is too late for most. And, and yeah. because the way rosters are set up right now, spots are very, very limited. And, and I'm sure that teams could get creative, you know, if Justin Fields wanted to transfer. Right. But a, a you know, even a, a starting wide receiver, you know, in the, in the Pac-12 or uh, the Big Ten, it, it's going to be difficult to find a spot. And there might be a handful of guys that – you know, my uh, teams could get creative and, and find ways. But uh, from from what I've heard, from what I've seen, there's some reporting from teams in the you know Pac-12 and, and things like that, who coaches have been putting out feelers to other programs for guys who are, you know, seniors out of eligibility, trying to, to improve their draft standing potentially, uh, but would be hesitant to play in the spring. Are, are trying to find landing spots and, and apparently, you know, there's just not a whole lot of interest that it's just too late maybe to make an impact on the field this fall, but also there's just not a lot of scholarship room right now because yeah. it's so late in the process. Yeah. And it's, um, we know nothing about the spring right now. I know that Ryan day has said he wants the spring season to start in January which would be weird, but um, <laughs> and it's also not the spring at all. I mean, I know that's the spring semester because it runs from, you know, January to basically June for uh, a lot of colleges. So um, he wants to start like right away, like as soon as possible when they can. But we haven't heard hide nor hair of anything about a potential schedule for the spring, when it might be done. And some of those players like that, they could still raise their um they could still raise their draft stock if they play really well in the spring and then the draft is you know obviously late april but you would expect most of those players to opt out i mean we had a rash of big 10 players uh, opt out um before anyway rashad bateman and micah parsons being the two uh probably most notable players to opt out and um you know we're going to see them in the combine in in march but <clears throat> The guys are going to have to kind of choose uh, from these conferences if they're playing in the spring, whether they want to play the season or just pack it in, train for the draft and go to the combine in March. Because, uh, you know, you would think if we are getting a season in spring, it's going to start, you know, early March at the latest. So, um, you know, that would be. Uh, right before the combine, and if they do start in uh, early March, then the season will go through the draft. And we see guys opting out of bowl games in late December because they want to prep for the draft. So uh, I don't know. Uh, the spring season is going to look even weirder than the uh, fall season. I can guarantee you that if there is a spring season at all, that which is still uh, you know to be seen. Um, now. There have been other, uh, you know, kind of issues, I guess you could say, uh, with teams starting up. Florida State players have, uh, you know, come out criticizing the program's COVID-19 safety guidelines. And, um, you know, some of them have come out in support of the guidelines. So there seems to be a little bit of uh, turmoil at Florida State, which is not, I guess it's not that surprising because they already had issues with Mike Norvell 
uh, saying stuff about testing and being in contact with players and all that stuff earlier in the offseason, Nick. Yeah, yeah, there was a, a bit of a dust up with Marvin Wilson uh, sort of leading a, a player uh, movement a bit after Mike Norvell apparently, you know, said uh, uh, some misleading things as far as his communication with players after, uh, you know, the, the, the movement behind uh, the, the social injustice movement early in, in that uh, portion of the the off season, but uh, <laughs> that the, portion of 2020. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so uh, there, there was a bit of uh, concern there and Marvin Wilson, of course, uh, took a leadership role and, and said that guys weren't going to uh, go to any team activities until they're, you know, it cleared the air and, and it seemed to clear up pretty quickly. And, and this also seems to have cleared up relatively quickly. Uh, Norvell, basically admitted he was in the wrong the, the first go right. uh this time sort of said hey we we're we're doing all we can this you know this is our process this is this is everything and and there seemed to just maybe be some miscommunication or, or something along those lines but uh it, it seems that now it has blown over a bit there was also a, a concern at Syracuse where players uh basically uh, boycotted practice for a few days for it sounded like some similar reasons that seems to have been uh, now, you know, uh, they've, they've come to a, an understanding and, and moved on last I heard at least. So uh, this unfortunately is something that is going to be a thing that pops up every once in a while, perhaps. And hopefully we get it all ironed out and, and you know, hopefully teams are, taking care of players and, and their safety and, and things like that. And there are open communication and, and, you know, things of that nature, but uh, there are certainly some bumps in the road and Florida state has now had a, a few different instances with some, but there, there are a couple others scattered throughout as well. So just something to, to be aware of another, you know, obstacle to overcome for uh, the 2020 season. And you mentioned Syracuse, they're back at practice. They're all good now. I, I believe so. Yeah, They're, they had a couple of days. I think they uh, players said that they weren't going to go to practice and, and seem to be an issue over the amount of testing and when something along the, I, the details all get sort of muddled based on right. different different teams I, I hear. But, yeah, I think that they are uh, back in action uh, last, last I heard. Okay, so the only other two things that I've heard so far, and like you you just said, I mean, we're going to get guys testing positive for COVID and things are going to shut down uh, at, at some point or, you know, at least practices are going to get shut down. And I would expect some games to be moved around. We've seen that in the baseball season. Um, you know, the only way to efficiently make sure that zero people get COVID and, and you know, it's worked out this way. It's not foolproof, but is the bubble, the, the bubble that the uh, NBA is doing, the bubble that soccer is doing. But you can't do a bubble with 150 to 200 people in an organization where, you know, all of the performers are not getting paid. You just can't bubble them. So yeah, that's that's a, the key point, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a uh, it, it's it's not something that can happen in the NCAA. So. Uh, Tulsa, I know, uh, postponed some practices on Monday because they had some positive tests for COVID-19. So we'll see, you know, um, how long it, it, and this is kind of the adjusting 
and the read and react that we have to do in the season. We've seen it in baseball a ton where, you know, the Marlins had a breakout and then it got some Philly players involved as well. And uh, then the Cardinals had the big outbreak. And, uh, you know, the other day, one guy, we get down to one guy testing positive in Cincinnati and they postponed uh, multiple games because of that, because they did it wrong the first couple times. So it, it's a lot of read and react uh, in this pandemic to kind of uh, figure out what works the best um, and how to handle so many players on one roster. It's difficult. It's impossible for a coach to do it in a normal season. You see guys, you know, getting booted off the team for academics or getting arrested in the offseason, and it's few and far between. You know, maybe you get one of those guys in your program every three or four years to get booted for, you know, an arrest. It, it, you know, that, that I would guess that's probably the number in general. It's not something that happens all the time, but, you know, uh, that's something fairly bad that a lot of those guys are doing versus, hey, I went out to dinner. You know, I went out to a bar with a bunch of people. That's fairly innocent, but you can't do that when you have a hundred other guys relying on you to do your thing. And, uh, you know, you hear uh, already stories about players calling out other players for going to bars off campus and, you know, frat houses and sorority houses where COVID is just running rampant uh, through those houses and stuff like that. So the college lifestyle is not... uh, you remember it, Nick. It's not it's not conducive to containing COVID at all. So it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's a uh, it's a big battle we're we're uh, facing. It's uphill, but uh, these programs are moving forward with it, and I'm I'm excited to get some football in at least. But uh, we do also have some actual football news and notes. Are you ready to talk about that stuff, Nick? I've never been more ready. I don't. Know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start uh, in Miami, in the epicenter there in Florida. Uh, but uh, lots of news on the Hurricanes because they, you know, just started their first practices here. And the biggest one is that uh, Derek King has been very, very impressive. I heard in a scrimmage the other day through four touchdowns and just looked really, really great. So awesome news for Derek King and uh, just getting him a fit with Miami, right? Yeah, I think so. This this is a a really interesting place to start because one thing that that I've come up, you know, in, in as I'm trying to to read different beat reporters and, and get news and notes and things like this, because as you you know often mentioned, they're they're much more valuable at the collegiate level than they are perhaps in, in other sports that we may pay attention to. But uh, it's it's very tricky right now because. Uh, for the most part, beat reporters and, and members of the media are not allowed to be at practice. And, and usually this time of the year, you know, you might not get a full uh, uh, media availability throughout the entire practice, but you usually get a ve- uh, viewing period so you can see, hey, who's, uh, you know, not fully dressed out, who's in a non-contact, you know, what did the, the first offensive line look like, all that sort of stuff. Right now we're, we're basically only – learning what uh, coaches are, are, you know, telling reporters in Zoom meetings after practice is over. So they are able to, you know, perhaps 
I don't know if mislead is the right word, but but you know, able to omit certain things, able to keep things uh, a little more vague. And I think Miami is is kind of in that uh, vein because Manny Navarro, who's a, a reporter who does great work for the Athletic, covering Miami, really sort of dug in. Uh, to some of the numbers from the scrimmage this weekend. And, and there were some photos that were posted from the official Miami, uh, you know, some videos, some photos from the official Miami uh, sports, to, you know, marketing department and, and what have you. And he was going through and looking like, okay, so Will Mallory, yeah, had a couple of touchdowns, but this linebacker is a walk-on. So it seems that the first team offense was going <laughs> against the second team defense, or maybe even, you know, not even a, uh, full second team, maybe even a little bit lower. So I, I think we and do Matt, have to, I don't, I don't want to cut you yeah, off. No. You have great momentum here, but that, <laughs> that might be uh, something that we're seeing a lot too is uh, ones practicing versus twos or threes mm-hmm. in a lot of situations, because if you do have an outbreak, let's say with your offensive starters, you at least don't want to also get, your defensive starters in the mix there. So there may be some guys that are looking great in scrimmage. You get them out there against ones against the other team though. And they're a little back down to normal. So we might get a couple of Pollyanna, you know, reports. Oh, this guy's looking amazing. Mm -hmm, And then, mm -hmm. well, why the hell is he looking so good against, uh, you know, the starting defense for whoever. And uh, that that's just it. So I just wanted to throw that in there as uh, that just popped in my mind. Because yeah. I think ones versus twos and threes is probably fairly smart to keep your ones away from the other side of your ones in COVID times here. Sure. And, and you know, I, I was doing some studying in, on uh, West Virginia earlier this week, and they are conducting two separate practice sessions. And, and they're, you know, I didn't read in the in the particular reports I, I uh, was going through whether or not that's fully offense in one group, fully defense in the other. It's, would be difficult to do 11 on 11 or even seven on seven. And, and if that's the case, so uh, you know, what, what is that? Is that a fully ones? Is that a, you know, twos and threes in another group? It's so it, there, there's a lot of different things to consider, but uh, getting back to your original point, not to get too far down uh, a tangent, but I I've heard some very, very encouraging things about Derek King uh, and Miami throughout the entire off season. Uh, I, I'm very excited to see him. I, I do feel that the skill position group is improved. I think he's going to get better offensive line play. You know, they're certainly not going to be perfect, but uh, everything I'm, I'm hearing and just sort of, I think, gut feeling based on what I've, I've learned about De'Ara King in the past, I, I think he's set up for a, a really, really nice season. And I, you know, I do think he's got some weapons to work with guys like Brevin Jordan, Will Mallory, the, the freshman running backs, it, it, it appears that they were running away from former walk-ons and third stringers in, in some of those notes that uh, Manny Navarro put together. But uh, they are highly, highly talented guys and, and uh, exciting, you know, futures. And, and it, I hear more and more about Jalen Knighton uh, maybe as, as the guy who could become – you know, maybe Cameron Harris is, is still the number one, but I wouldn't be surprised based on just sort of the vibe right now. It sounds like Knighton maybe is inching closer and closer and could be a major factor in that uh, running back, you know, competition this year. Makes sense because I just drafted Cheney. So, you know, that would be good things about Cheney as well. But he, yeah. he did have uh, an injury during the spring that might have him limited a, a little bit right now. But it sounds like he's he's doing quite well 
as well, but maybe that yeah, they, injury. They both were kind of mentioned as having good games by Manny Diaz. I think you said Manny Navarro earlier, but uh, oh, uh, Manny Manny Diaz. Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me? There's so many names right now. It's I've got uh, IDP and uh, regular NFL and college football and basketball playoffs are on, and it's the middle of the baseball season. So I get guys that like Manny Navarro for you is one of 15 for me. Oh, no. So he's the Manny Navarro is the, the reporter. But oh, the reporter. The, oh, yeah. I, I, Diaz is, of course. Yeah. See, too many Mannies. <laughs> it, it, once again, put another one on me for not knowing Manny Navarro, of no, course. No, no. But uh, Brevin Jordan did come up lame. You mentioned Will Mallory performed well, according to Manny Diaz. But of course, you also mentioned that lining up against a walk-on linebacker and stuff like that is going to be a big thing. But, um, yeah, Brevin Jordan left with an undisclosed injury, which, you know, let's not forget, even with COVID uh, and all that stuff, undisclosed injuries are the name of the game in college football. Uh, So they don't have to tell us what it is, and they don't have to tell us who has COVID and who doesn't. So this is going to be difficult navigating it through the year as well uh, with all of this stuff. But, um, you know, Brevin oh, Jordan, I'm, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, on, on that note, and, and I don't see it listed on the, the, oh yeah, okay, it is, never mind. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there, don't worry. Sorry. Okay, okay. So, uh, they don't, yeah, they don't have to tell us who has COVID. They don't have to tell us who's hurt or how hurt they are. Um, so that is something that we have to deal with. But, uh, you know, Brevin Jordan, little gimpy, Derek King looking real good. I think that's what we need to know. And then just, and I'm going to put both of these guys in my, uh, in my rankings list, just so we have them on the radar. When you get positive reports on freshmen, just put them in your radar, put them in your memory bank, you know, try to not forget their name. Like, I don't know who Manny Navarro is, you know, (laughs) so just try, try to put them in there and remember them so that, you know, uh, if their name pops up, you can go, okay, I heard about Knighton. Now Cameron Harris is hurt or whatever, uh, he had a terrible game. He fumbled a couple times, and Knighton got all the carries after that. That's going to be my guy. We'll, of course, be here to tell you about that, but it's always just nice to, to uh, hear about these guys ahead of uh, the fact. And then uh, moving down just into a couple other news and notes here, Notre Dame uh, redshirt sophomore wide receiver Kevin Austin is expected to miss anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks, which to me just makes him – completely undraftable i'm not going to mess with him he missed all of last year with a suspension correct yes and let's see that that's about the third time we've done that and i remembered it finally uh and then uh this season broken foot looks like he's going to miss at least most of the year um with that foot so who do we think steps up uh for notre dame nick so yeah that's that's a major bummer because Kevin Austin seemed like he was in line to be the the top target there and and I'm pretty high on Ian Book so he's got to throw to somebody. Uh I think Javon McKinley as a, a senior showed some flashes late last season. He's he's been a bit of a late bloomer at the collegiate level. Uh Barrett Skoronek, the transfer from Northwestern I think is going to have an opportunity to to play a pretty big role. Brayden Lindsay is you know kind of a, a Interesting player for sure as a, as a sophomore, started a couple of games last year. He, he's got a really uh, bright future, I think. I, I would probably lean on the seniors a, a little bit more. I, I just feel a little more comfortable, I think, with them. But, you know, don't don't forget about Lindsey. And then a uh, true freshman, Jordan Johnson as well, came in, you know, almost a, a fringe five-star 
uh, recruit according to 247 Sports. So there's definitely some talent there. And, and, you know, don't be surprised if some of the young guys really step up because McKinley, you know, has been a little bit of a slow starter and Skoronek is, you know, good maybe, but not great. Uh, hasn't, you know, flashed a, a extreme athleticism, but those two guys are kind of, you know, bigger body, 6'2", 6'3", 215, 220 in that range. And, and Lindsay and Johnson are, are a little more, uh, you know, a little smaller, but a little more athletic and, and have a little more speed. So those are probably the four to keep an eye on. And, and maybe by the end of the year, the younger guys have really established themselves. But I think early on, uh, because, you know, book is experienced and, and these guys are, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, a little older, more, you know, in line with playing at the collegiate level. I, I think I might lean a little bit toward maybe Skoronek, number one, McKinley, 1A, and then Lindsay, probably a 1C, but but maybe by the end of the year really emerges as kind of a go-to guy. Yeah, so, I mean, still a ton of talent at Notre Dame. I would say Skoronek is probably the guy I moved up uh, the most uh, on my list because uh, now it just seems like he's going to be one of the three wide receivers in the mix, but uh, plenty of options when you're Notre Dame, right? You have uh, five-star, uh, you know, recruits uh, backing up five-star recruits. So uh, should be uh, should be someone pulling that out. This one was disappointing because I just moved him up in my list. Um, Pop Williams, who was expected to be, and maybe still is, we're not 100% sure, but he's expected to be the guy across from DeMonte Coxie in Memphis's offense. And, um, you know, we just had a report, I think, three or four days ago that big things are expected from him has taken a leave of absence from the team. We don't know what this is dealing with. We don't know if he's going to come back, but you know, not the biggest blow that Memphis could have taken, but not, not a great hit uh, for all the other stuff that's going on. Nick. Yeah. And, and, you know, whenever you hear leave of absence, you, you certainly hope that everything is okay. And, and, uh, uh, feel that here as well. But yeah, from a football standpoint, you know, Williams missed uh, almost all of last season, last year with injuries, a guy who's, who's been, you know, really solid in the return game and, and seemed like he was in line for a, a really good season as a full-time receiver. So certainly unfortunate and, you know, you, you never really know, or I never really know how to address these sort of things. Should we, write him off completely from a CFF standpoint. If you do that, then you lose maybe an opportunity if it's uh, maybe not a huge deal. Uh, it, it just seems in in my experience sort of moving names around in, in my spreadsheets and all, whenever I highlight that person, you know, the, the particular color and, and say, you know, personal leave, that turns into a season ender more often than not sort of anecdotally. But, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully this is a, a something he's able to bounce back from quickly because Memphis certainly would love to have him and he's certainly something, somebody that's valuable enough from a, a CFF standpoint uh, would love to have him in the mix this year if he, if he can. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully uh, whatever Pop is dealing with, he, he'll, uh, he'll get back to it uh, real soon. I don't know if we should expect that, but we can at least hope for it. Now, uh, FSU actually had uh, some decent news here with James Blackman playing well, according to Mike Norvell. It's always nice to hear. Uh, but uh, Florida State freshman Chuba Hubbard is expected to miss a, a few weeks after suffering once again a uh, undisclosed injury. But it's nice to see that Blackman is looking good, according to Norvell, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and and I believe today we got confirmation that that was a uh, broken collarbone for Schubert. Cool. He's probably done for the year. So that's Yikes. certainly, certainly, you know, unfortunate. I know there there was a lot of excitement for him to potentially push uh, James Blackman for that starting job. But I guess if there is a silver lining, it's that you know we do have a little bit more. Uh, you know, maybe this the solidified Blackman's stance a bit. He's somebody who's very experienced, has played a lot of football at Florida State, and, and we've seen some flashes of, you know, some really good skills. He, he's not, you know, the best passer. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's, he's shown, I think, enough that, you know, in a new and improved system, and, and you know, you slot him in uh, sort of the way that Brady White was used under Mike Norvell in years past – you could see a path to some really, really solid numbers. And so if he's not got, you know, the, the hot shot true freshman breathing down his neck, maybe he can step up and, and really take hold of that job and, and put together a really nice season because Florida State, you talk about a team that's, you know, loaded with talent. There are a lot of weapons for him to work with as well. And he's one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the ACC, if not the country. So uh, hopefully he's able to, you know, uh, take this and, and solidify that position, put together a really, really solid year and, and certainly hope for the best for, for Purdy and I hope he bounces back soon, but silver lining, you know, perhaps Blackman is a little bit more, you know, on solid footing now. Yeah. And I, I'm really curious to see what Mike Norvell can do with this offense because it's been, it, you know, Florida state is always filled with uh, just unbelievable athletes. I mean, the, the kids that come out of Florida are crazy good. And, um, you know, uh, they have Tamori and Terry is going to be an excellent NFL player for sure. I'm excited to see what he can do in this uh, Mike Norvell offense. It should be a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, now that we know that James Blackman, it kind of looks like he's locked into that starters role because he just hasn't been great. I mean, we can uh, it sounds like uh, Nick was talking him up a little bit there. Did you draft him somewhere? Am I am I making a mistake? No, I was I was. Uh, relatively high on him last year because Kendall Bryles was was the offensive coordinator and had come off such a, a strong couple of years at FAU and then uh, Houston and and I thought Blackman again I, I guess I was just you know he, he can be a bit of a tease I guess I, he got me excited uh, <laughs> going into last year and it just didn't really work out so I don't know I, I guess I just I don't feel burned quite yet because I haven't really. <laughs> jumped up and grabbed him any right. any uh you know too much in, in uh any leagues or anything but I, I just do think there's a little bit of untapped potential there and, and maybe i'm just too much of an optimist but you know i, I look at the track record that mike norvell has had and, and quarterbacks have played pretty well and blackman's you know a little bit more athletic than brady white so perhaps he can provide a little bit of value as a, a runner um but you know it's it's I don't know. Maybe I'm just hoping for the best, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, he, he's not super high on my list by, by any stretch, but he's somebody that if he can take a step forward as a veteran player in a system that perhaps, you know, puts him in position to be more successful uh, there's, there's room for, you know, there's opportunity. And, and perhaps right. he's somebody that we could look back at the end of the year and think, man, we really should have seen that coming because he's in such a good situation coaching wise. Now he was so experienced, he's played a lot of football. So, you know, it, it could be one of those situations, but I'm not ready to jump out and say, you know, 
Blackman's super yeah. sleeper. Draft him now. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Not, okay. not ready to go there yet, but I could see. Just a making sure. Just, just making see. sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited. I do have a. I do have a hotter take a little later on. Oh, I, I like on, a, on a different uh, guy you mentioned here. Okay, uh, going over to Kentucky, staying in the, uh, or I guess going to the SEC here. Uh, Mark Stoops said on Tuesday that he expects uh, senior wide receiver Josh Ali to have a big year and. Uh, then we also had uh, um, Lewis's kids, Rashawn Lewis, uh, Ray Lewis's kids, Rashawn Lewis and Rayshard Lewis, both transfer to Kentucky to play wideout as well. I don't know if either one of them will be eligible for this season, but uh, Josh Ali, this is the second comment. I believe it was, I know it was an athletic writer. It might've been mm-hmm. Vic Tapore, uh who wrote about Josh Ali being the number one in Kentucky. Um, and so, I mean, this is one from a beat writer and one from the head coach. I think we can make Josh Ali the number one wideout in Kentucky now, right? I think we can, but, and this is my, <laughs> I, I actually have a, a, a strong opinion here. This is the hotter take right here? I, yeah, I don't I don't see it with Kentucky, and it's certainly not at the wide receiver position. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I'm sure Josh Ali is, a, you know, a, a solid player. I certainly hope for the best for him, but I, I talked about that big project I'm working on. It's, it's uh, projections, team projections, stat projections and player projections, and actually trying to, you know, drill down and do a little bit more of a historically based statistically based setup. And, and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any stretch. I'm not saying my math is, you know, the super highest level or, or anything like that, but in my early numbers, and these aren't official, but they're pretty close. Terry Wilson, who's expected to be the quarterback, I've got him getting 95% of the snaps. You know, uh, Kentucky is going to throw for 2,000 yards or less. And those 2,000 yards are going to get get divided up between Josh Ali, Cleveland Thomas, a couple other guys. I think at the highest high, Josh Ali catches 40 passes for – 550 yards and four touchdowns. And to me, that, that doesn't interest me all that much. Yeah. That's not a lot. I mean, that's uh that's not a lot. And that's projected for the new season and, and all that stuff. That's the new uh, season that, that, that accounts for uh, the strength of schedule adjustment. Cause remember Kentucky now is yeah. playing a full sec schedule, which includes a new game against Alabama. That wasn't originally on the schedule. Uh, Terry Wilson, you know, it has, has, like I've said about a couple of other guys, it has shown some flashes, but, you know, I, I, there is some buzz around Kentucky. Some analytics folks are, are liking Kentucky as just sort of a team. Uh, there are some, you know, even some, some scouts and film guys that I've heard some uh, high praise for Kentucky. A lot of it centers on a strong offensive line, which my numbers do think they have a top 10 offensive line and a solid defense, which is kind of, boosted a little bit by a slow pace on offense in, in my estimation. So I, I get that there's a little bit of buzz. My numbers don't see it. I don't really see it. I think Lynn Bowden was just a special, special player. And I think that probably inflated a little bit of our uh, belief on, on the offensive line. They do have some really solid guys. There are some yeah. you know, two or three guys that are, are getting draft buzz, but I just, I don't see it with Kentucky. I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, but I, I just don't really see it from them. Maybe at the running back position, but they've got kind of a three-headed monster going there. So I I just don't know. I, I don't really want any part of Kentucky this year. 
Yeah, and I don't blame you. I mean, uh, Kentucky until Lynn Bowden hadn't had a ton. I mean, Benny Snell was pretty good, but you know, uh, it, it's like it's never the whole the offense as a whole is you know what we want in CFF. It's a piece of the offense. It's Lynn Bowden because he's playing quarterback. It's uh, you know Benny Snell because he's running roughshod over you know mm-hmm. a bunch of guys at the end of games and stuff like that. So this year. I, I don't blame you at all for not really trusting this Josh Ali news because, you know, Lynn Bowden was an all SEC wide receiver, but also Terry Wilson was at a hundred percent that year. I believe if that was Terry Wilson, I'm not even a hundred percent sure. And, um, Usually, you know, they, yeah, was, and they had Snell that year too. Mm-hmm. So they had another big piece of the offense, not saying that AJ Rose can't get it done. You're absolutely right. The one thing that I'll say about, um, Josh Ali here is that if he is this special, I think they may draw up some goal line packages for him. And I think that might be an extension of what you saw from Lynn Bowden last season, you know, playing, you know, moving from wide out to quarterback. So maybe they drop a couple goal line plays for him and stuff, but that's what you're going to need because like Nick just mentioned, he may be really good and he may lead them in, in receiving, but that necessarily doesn't mean much when you're playing for Kentucky and you have such a schedule uh other bits of news here uh alabama senior wider Devontae smith has not considered the possibility of opting out i think that was a rumor that maybe had gotten shared for a little bit uh virginia tech redshirt junior running back raheem blackshear still has not received his uh word on his waiver request uh, for moving uh from rutgers to virginia tech so um don't know when we'll get an update on that i guess uh, Will Muschamp said on Monday that there will be an open competition for the starting quarterback job in South Carolina. So I guess we can't give it to Holinsky just yet. Um, Clemson wide receiver Mari Rogers did not take the team's first scrimmage on Saturday. So with, with an undisclosed injury, we'll see what that is, uh, what's happening with that. And then a little bit of quarterback news to uh, redshirt freshman quarterback, uh, Monty Gilmore has looked really good according to Seth Luttrell at North Texas. So, an option, another option, a quarterback, and then UNLV retro sophomore quarterback Justin Rogers, who transferred in from TCU, was granted immediate eligibility. So, uh, just uh, anything on any of these bits here, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Devontae Smith. It sounds like he just wants to to have a huge season because he came back as a senior when he, you know, could have gone into the NFL draft. He, he it sounds like he wants to be the go-to guy and, and he certainly will compete with Jalen Waddle, who is one of my favorite players. Uh, but it sounds like he's just, he wants to play and he wants to put up a huge, huge year. So I guess, you know, if, if you're speculating like me on that, then, then you're pretty hopeful that he can put up a, a pretty special season uh, potentially as a, a number one receiver. Raheem Blackshear, it, it sounds like his waiver was denied, but Virginia Tech is going to appeal. So maybe they'll give a, an opportunity to get that overturned. But from what I'm, I'm hearing from him, somebody to, to file away if he doesn't play this year because he's, he's somebody that, you know, showed it at Rutgers that he could run the football and, and catch the ball out of the backfield. Virginia Tech seems to be very interested in using him as a slot receiver. The, uh, Justin Fuente, the head coach, said he could play four or five different positions, including on defense. And, and so it sounds like he's a guy that, you know, once he's on the field, is going to be put in a position to impact the game in a, a variety of ways. So I'm kind of excited. I'm always excited about that skill set that can do 
multiple things. So he, he's somebody that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. The thing at South Carolina is interesting because uh, Colin Hill, the, the grad transfer from Colorado State, followed Mike Bobo, who, of course, was was the head coach and calling plays there for a few years. Colin Hill's been a, a multi-year starter. He's had a ton of injuries, unfortunately, but he knows Mike Bobo's system, you know, backwards and forwards. So yeah. he's somebody that has a, a perhaps a bit of a leg up from that standpoint. Halinski's uh, very, very talented and, and was thrown into the fire too early last year because of Jake Bentley's uh, injury. And, and he showed, you know, some, some good things, but overall was just not too, you know, not very consistent. And so there's definitely room for growth. It, it perhaps was a situation where maybe if he had had an opportunity to, to sit and watch as a true freshman, maybe, you know, playing in some ways, uh, he took a little bit of a step back. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think Kalinsky is still the guy long-term. I know there's another guy in the mix, Luke Doty, a highly, highly uh, recruited uh, true freshman coming in that, that people are really excited about. But Just missed him in the draft too. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not, I'm not giving up on Holinsky just yet. Last year just really wasn't set. He wasn't set up in a position to succeed. Uh, I think that he will be pushed and perhaps that will, you know, perhaps he will improve as a result. I think he's a more talented uh, player than Colin Hill. I think he's similarly talented to Doty, different skill set. But I think, you know, if you're talking about just overall an overall package, I like Tyler Holinsky. I, I think if he, uh, you know, rises to the challenge and, and competes for this job and wins it, I think he'll be put in a position to, to be pretty successful. So I, I, I like Holinsky in the long term. This year, you know, might not start out perfectly and, and similarly playing an all SEC schedule. It's going to be very, very difficult. But I think the move to Mike Bobo as a play caller is a point in his favor in the long run. And, and I think he's going to be able to eventually win this job, if not, you know, from from week one. But I think Kalinsky's the guy in the long term. And, and so I, I, I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. The Clemson thing is the where I was – super fumbling over my words earlier and, and said, Oh, I don't see it in the list, but there it is. Uh, they had three wide receivers that yeah, Ladson didn't practice. practice yeah. And who was the other one? Gata? Uh, and yeah, yeah. And Gata. And so the, the word I saw were protocol reasons, which Ooh. talk about the vague, you know, the yeah. vagueness that, that we're dealing with this year. And of course we're going to speculate as to what that means, but you know, those are those are things to to worry about. Clemson has had what two dozen guys they they mentioned in the summer that were dealing with uh, COVID nineteen. So, you know, certainly again, uh, it goes without saying, but but I always feel like I have to say it. Hope for the best for the, for these guys, but yeah. certainly something to watch. And it is good news that Amari Rogers is is back on the field. Uh, North Texas, I don't know. There seem to be three guys in the mix for that, and and whoever wins out. It's not quite a, a Washington State or Hawaii of the past year situation, but North Texas has, has put up some good numbers. How much of that was Mason Fine? How much of that was Graham Harrell? You know, how much of that is Seth Luttrell? But I, I do, this is one to watch because uh, North Texas, I think, especially in a limited, you know, season where we're down to 60 teams, North Texas's value as an offensive system is, is going to rise with Washington State not playing, Hawaii not playing, you know, those type of teams. So uh, certainly something to, to keep an eye on there. 
And finally, Justin Rogers was one of my favorite players uh, coming out in high school. I believe it was 2017. Uh, it's, it's been a little while. He, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Hopefully, yeah. you know, with, with this, he, he has uh, – UNLV, of course, is not playing, but uh, he'll, he'll hopefully, you know, with the, the year of eligibility and hopefully full health, he'll be able to come in and have a really, really nice end to his season because I was very impressed with him as a uh, – recruit coming out of high school and, and really thought he had an opportunity to win that job as a true freshman at TCU if he had stayed healthy. But uh, hopefully he'll be out, you know, back full strength and, and win that job. And UNLV has been recruiting really, really well. They're going to be a team to watch in the Mountain West. Uh, they, they're a bit of a, you know, people have said it for years. They're a sleeping giant in, in that conference. But it seems like with the recruiting momentum they've got and some guys coming through the transfer portal, uh, Marcus Arroyo has really, you know, already had an impact on raising the talent level there. So if Justin Rogers is back full strength, uh, he's a talented, talented player. He's somebody to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just a couple other news and notes before we get to the big opt out, uh, stuff that we got to talk about here. Uh, USF OC Charlie White Jr. said on Tuesday that retro freshman quarterback Kate Fortin is one of the smartest quarterbacks that I've ever worked with. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the starter, but we have an open competition in South Florida, and that is great news for Cade. So we'll see if he ends up with that starting job. Uh, Georgia redshirt sophomore quarterback JT Daniels has yet to be cleared for football activities. So, you know, just for anyone that kind of had JT Daniels on the outside looking in, you can put him further on the outside. So it's still going to be Jamie Newman. Um who has a bit of a foot injury. It does he really. <laughs> so keep an um, eye. It doesn't seem to be serious, but yeah, yeah. I still think it's easily Newman. I think and so. I don't like the, I said this on your show and I said it on this show. I I'm just surprised that JT Daniels wanted immediate eligibility. Like take that, take this weird year off and then, you know, get more time to start uh, next year. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, then we've got uh, Joey Yellen, the uh, Pitt redshirt freshman, a transfer from ASU, uh, getting immediate eligibility, so he'll be behind Kenny Pickett. Uh, Malik Heath was arrested on five charges, including speeding and DUI on Wednesday, so that's not good for his future at Mississippi State. Uh, Tennessee ju a redshirt junior quarterback, Kasim Hill, entered the NCAA transfer portal, so we'll see where he ends up. Uh, a, a little more buzz here, East Carolina freshman running back Raji Harris has been turning some heads. So just like I said before, put him on your radar. You know, not a lot of great running backs coming out of ECU, but we're going to be limited in the player pool this year by, uh, you know, a ton of schools. Almost half the schools are playing in spring. So we're going to have to pay a little bit more attention to some of these deeper fights for playing time this season. So keep Raji Harris in your mind. And then uh, former Florida redshirt freshman wide receiver Deontay Marks transferred to UCF after uh, saying he was going to UCF, then deleting it, then transferring to Ole Miss, it seemed like, and now he's back to UCF. So uh, luckily the young man has landed on a school, very doubtful that he gets immediate eligibility. He'll probably be next year, right? Seems that way, yeah. So the, uh, the big opt-out news here is uh, there are uh, – Three guys here. Uh, the first one, obviously, by far the biggest. Uh, Kennedy Brooks has opted out of the season, the running back for Oklahoma. 
And uh, he le- he leaves a pretty big hole here because we also had Sermon go to Ohio State, and now Ohio State isn't playing. I, I bet Sermon wishes he would have stuck around, <laughs> although he wasn't in uh, Lincoln Riley's favor very often at Oklahoma. But this leaves a pretty big hole for Oklahoma. How do you think they're going to fill it here, Nick? Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, Kennedy Brooks, uh, you know, has already run for a thousand yards twice. It uh, seemed like he was really in a, a solid position coming into this year with Jalen Hurts having moved on, who ran for 20 touchdowns, you know, took a, a lot of his uh, touchdown opportunities away. I, I thought Brooks was going to get the ball a lot more uh, toward the goal line. I wrote a little bit about him in a Heisman uh, potential, you know, five, top five Heisman contenders in the Big 12 uh, last week for Athlon. And, and so, you know, I thought that that things were kind of lining up where you've got a new quarterback coming in, you know, Rattler, I'm sure is great. The, the system, you know, seems like it's a, a well-oiled machine and you could put anybody back there and they're going to put up huge numbers, but it seemed like, okay, we're, we're maybe they should lean on Kennedy Brooks a little bit more. You mentioned that Sermon was gone. So there was going to be a bigger opportunity to, to carry a heavy workload. And then Ramadre Stevenson, who, uh, you know, probably was second, third, maybe fourth on the, the running back depth chart uh, is going to be suspended for now about half the season because of, of uh, you know, something that, that carried over from prior to the bowl game last year. So depth at, at the running back position for Oklahoma is certainly taking a hit. It sounds like, you know, TJ Pledger or Marcus Major are, you know, going to get the the majority of the carries. I've I've seen some conflicting things based on, you know, from different uh, beat reporters and and things like that. Major probably has the biggest, you know, the best long-term future. Uh, He's a redshirt freshman, only played in three games last year, but he's already, you know, he's listed at 220 pounds, uh, could carry a a pretty heavy workload, has bulked up even a little bit since uh, coming into, you know, the collegiate level. So, Sounds like those guys are, are going to compete for that maybe number one spot. Uh, Stevenson would be in the mix when he's able to, to come back after, I believe it's a, another five games uh, for suspension, he and Trajan Bridges and, and Ronnie Perkins. Uh, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe true freshman Seth McGowan gets in and, and gets into the mix and might have an opportunity to sort of seize this job. So I, I don't know that there's a, a clear – Number one, you know, full surefire, this is is the guy you have to go after. It would have been Trey Sermon, unfortunately. I think Trey Sermon is actually more athletically gifted than Kennedy Brooks. Probably would have, you know, been in line to have a a huge, huge uh, season uh, in this spot. But uh, my gut instinct tells me, you know, two or three guys are going to share this workload and and they have split carries in the past we've seen that with brooks and and sermon so i i think that two or three guys you know are going to be in the mix and then maybe eventually one of them uh seizes an opportunity and and my hope i think is that maybe the true freshman mcgowan uh is a highly rated you know four-star guy already over 215 pounds so seems to be you know pretty physically advanced uh, rates pretty high in, in my player rating formula. So uh, I, I think that it could be a situation where when the dust settles at the end of the season, he's the leading rusher. But, you know, maybe that's 
600 yards because the, the, the carries are split three and eventually four ways. So I, I don't know that there's a guy that I'm rushing out to get, which is unfortunate because I was really, really excited about Kennedy Brooks. He, he had climbed up my rankings all off season. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, I think what we have to do here is raise, um, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think we got to raise Spencer Rattler and the whiteouts a little bit too, because sure. if you don't have a sure thing at running back, you probably need to bump up Obi Obialo at the Owees and, you know, even maybe Rambo if you didn't have him uh, too high. I think you got to respect that passing game a little bit more even than we did before this stuff happened, right? And there were some reports that uh, Theo Howard, the transfer from UCLA, who we believe suffered a, uh, an Achilles injury early in the winter, right after getting to OU, uh, is on the practice field. So if, if okay. he's anything close to full strength, you know, he's a guy that's that's would be the most experienced receiver in, in that room. He's he's missed an entire year uh, coming into this and then coming off we think a pretty major injury. I don't think we ever got confirmation, but if he's back and in the mix, you know, uh, throw that as another weapon that, that Spencer Rattler will have to work with. So I, I think you're right. The passing game becomes even more valuable potentially uh, as a result. And the other uh, two opt outs that we have are, I mean, one of them is not that major in running back Steven Anderson for Southern Miss opting out, but Jalen Adams uh, was a pretty decent wide receiver for Southern Miss last year. And, uh, he's going to take this year off opt out and that leaves, uh, Tim Jones with a pretty bright spot at Southern Miss, right? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, people probably know this about me by now. I, I hate speculating, but, uh, something seems a bit off at Southern Miss that, that and I, there's a lot of opt-outs at Southern Miss. There's There have been four in the last 24 hours, basically. Right. They're two best defensive players, uh, which, you know, if you think, okay, this is an offense that's got – I was really high on Jack Abraham, I think, compared to most people because I looked at Tim Jones and, and uh, his name just escaped me, uh, Jalen Adams, and, and, and thought, okay, these are two – CFF value guys who were who were in my top fifty wideouts and and uh, were were had pretty high expectations uh, or I had pretty high expectations for them so I was pretty high on Jack Abraham so if you're thinking that and then you're thinking okay now their two best defensive players are gone maybe they're going to be playing a lot of shootouts maybe Jack Abraham has an opportunity to, to do some really good things still and a running back is gone. So, yeah, who, who else is going to to pick up the slack? I think Tim Jones absolutely takes a, a couple of ticks up up the ladder because he's going to be the go-to guy. But a couple of junior college transfers to know, Jason Brownlee, uh, Daquan Bailey-Brown, those two guys uh, I put in, in the starting lineup for Southern Miss in, in my depth chart. So, you know, I need to do a little bit more research to, to know if that really is, is warranted. But – you know, just looking at their player ratings based on uh, where they are coming out of, of junior college and comparing to what else is, is on the roster right now, those guys probably have a, a really, you know, high likelihood of, of uh, playing a lot of snaps and, and perhaps being uh, on the receiving end of a lot of Jack Abraham passes. And, and also look at the, the running back position. Southern Miss signed uh, three uh, newcomers. One junior college player, Don Ragsdale, and, and two true freshmen, one of which has a familiar name, Frank Gore Jr. So, uh, 
a couple, a, a lot of newcomers to, to become acquainted with perhaps because I was pretty high on Southern Miss as a team as a whole, but as an offense yeah. in particular. So I think there's still enough there with Abraham and, and Jones that, you know, you think, okay, they're, they're potentially going to, and for, four returning starters on the offensive line as well. So you, you think that there's maybe a solid enough nucleus if they can hold it together that Southern Miss has some value. And maybe at the CFF standpoint, losing some key defensive players actually boosts that offense a little bit because they might play a few more shootouts than they were expected to. But, uh, yeah, I, I like Tim Jones a lot. I like Jack Abraham. But, you know, look at look down the line at, at some Juco guys and, and incoming freshmen, especially at the running back position because it seems that those guys might be counted on earlier than we expected. And, you know, if you are going to go ahead and do a, you know, regular CFF league, and I've said this a million times, wait until the very last minute that you can draft to draft your league. If that means, you know, uh, September 23rd, because that first game uh, would that we would count for a regular season in most leagues uh, is going to be September 24th. And then September 26th is that Saturday. You know, if you can do your draft the 23rd or, you know, anywhere in the twenties leading up to that weekend, do it, do, you know, push it all far back. So we'll know what is going on with Southern Miss. Is it a coach thing? Is it a COVID thing? Is it, uh, you know, just a bunch of players kind of got together and said, we don't like what's going on here. Whatever it is, hopefully we'll have it figured out by then, and we'll know if it's um, something that we need to actually worry about, I guess. So, uh, But that's it, everyone. That's the show for today. Like I said, next week we'll dive uh, more in on the schedule. I mean, like I said, we still don't have a full schedule for a lot of the teams. The G5 hasn't uh, covered all of the games that, uh, for the teams that have opted out. Um Army is still trying to put together a full schedule. BYU still trying to put together a full schedule as well. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see what they get. Hopefully that'll be done by next week. But uh, either way, we'll at least dive in on what the, um, you know, the big 12, the SEC and ACC are doing and when the bye weeks are, and just take a look at the overall depth of uh, CFF and see what we really lost by losing four conferences and what we're going to need to uh, put emphasis on moving forward. But that is going to wrap it up for us. Remember, please check out the Patreons that we both have. My Patreon is patreon.com slash ITL Army. I'll have my new CFF rankings list up there on Friday. Um, I did a full massive IDP breakdown for all of you NFL IDP fans. I was telling Nick about how that was my entire weekend uh, this weekend before the show started. Um, you know, I have PPR rankings. I have super flex rankings, half point PPR up there as well. The Welsh has PPR rankings. He also has over 500 minor league baseball players, uh, up there as well. And, uh, I, my baseball rankings are up there and, uh, we do two secret shows a month. I do two live streams a week. So there's plenty to get for just, you know, as little as five bucks on the, uh, ITL army. And if you bump up, you get into the group me rooms with us too, where we talk about, college football and all the sports all season long, all year long, even in the off season. So uh, please check it out. And Nick uh, pump the CFB winning edge because you are working hard on those rosters. <laughs> I mean, they are, they are coming at you fast and furious. It's almost as if they're testing just you to see if you can keep up. It's crazy right now. 
Yeah, and and lucky me, I added a, a schedule portion and and projected point spreads for every game all season. I uh, <laughs> thought that that would save me a ton of work to to go ahead and and do that, but that's been man, I've, I've had to spend, uh, you know, several hours a day over the last couple of weeks, basically get trying to get these schedules figured out. But uh, absolutely, you know, we're, we're working hard at, at CFB Winning Edge, trying to stay as, as on top of all of this as humanly possible. Injuries, opt-outs, transfers, everything. As soon as I uh, see it, I see a tweet, I see a report, uh, I read something in sort of my daily uh, you know, going going through all the reports I can get my hands on, I, I I try to update that as as quickly as humanly possible. So, uh, we try to to put the best step charts uh that you'll find basically on on the free market out there, and and I think we're pretty close, if not the best. So, uh, Patreon.com/slash/CFBWinningEdge, a tier two supporter, gets you access to our FBS team profiles that includes over eleven thousand individual player ratings, all those, you know, depth charts and, and notes and uh, stats, I've got stat projections that I promise are being finalized this week. That includes uh, team stats, player stats. It also includes uh, five years worth of, uh, you know, history on each play caller, each head coach. So you can see what each unit did passing, rushing total, uh, for the last five years. And, and that's what we've used to help uh, drive those individual projections. So uh, do check us out, trying to, to put out great work and trying to stay on top of it as much as possible in, in this uh, weird time that we're in. But uh, we really would uh, you know, appreciate that support if, if you're interested. Yeah. So thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back on a normal schedule moving forward uh just trying to suss out all of the schedule stuff so if you have questions feel free to send them to me scottbogman at gmail.com and we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.